On this episode of Real Estate Insiders Unfiltered, we talk about what happens if we just turn all the MLSs off? What does it look like with the current lawsuits? Uh, we talked about mergers and acquisitions. Gonna be awesome, tune in. You talk about it privately, we talk about it publicly. This is the Real Estate Insiders Unfiltered Podcast. Welcome again to the Real Estate Insiders Unfiltered Podcast. I'm your host, James Dwiggins, along with my co-host, Crazy Uncle Keith. Oh, actually, Keith Ooh. Robbins. I'm just going to call you Crazy Uncle Keith from now on. Just roll yeah, with that. So, That's fine. <laughs> uh, tell us about Steve Murray and the yep. really incredible content that uh, we're covering. So, Steve is awesome. He's an titan in the industry nearly 50 years in residential real estate uh there's something that you get from experience that can't be replaced right yeah and so he came and he gave us this beautiful historical look at residential real estate and the interesting times that we've been moving through of course he's an expert on mergers and acquisitions so we spent some energy there but candidly, my favorite part was just enjoying someone who has so much depth and experience in the industry and hearing them just talk about like, hey, kid, it's OK. We've been here before. Everything's going to be fine. So yeah. great conversation. I know you're all going to dig it. Steve, welcome to the show. We are super excited to have you here. Uh, I know Keith and I have been chatting ahead of time that um, you know there isn't many people who has as much experience um and historical perspective of this business and i mean you've been doing this a long time and have seen so many aspects of this business you're an expert witness you've done that i mean we have a lot to talk about today but um i think let's just start with i won't do much of an intro just quick who you are your background tell them about what you've been doing for a long time and then even the acquisition of your company just we'll start there we'll start with that so well, it's a real honor to be asked to be on with you guys. Uh, you're both great friends and great peers in this industry. Um, try to provide something of value today. So I'm in my 47th year in the residential real estate industry. Uh, started a long, obviously a long time ago. I uh, had short stints in the relocation management and franchise sales side of our industry. Uh, at a young age, got hired to run a national broker-to-broker -broker referral network, got to know a lot of the major brokers in the country. Um, in late 86, I left um, the head of one of those national networks and formed Real Trends with a partner. Um, our original concept was a monthly 12 to 16 page trends newsletter because there was no such publication. And that we would each of us provide uh, some consulting service to the industry. Um, you know, along the way, real trends. I mean, we we <laughs> we thought the first year we could get a thousand subscribers at a hundred dollars a year, and we only missed it by a little. I think the first year we had a hundred and ten subscribers. <laughs> so it's a good thing. It's a good thing we were both doing consulting work. Um, and we built real trends. We added the um, annual conference um, called the Gathering of Eagles in the early 90s. We started doing the rankings of brokerage companies. I think our first year was 1988. That had never been done before. 
The Gathering of Eagles was the first conference where we didn't care what your brand or ownership was. Leading brokers were all invited. Mm -hmm. It's a great Um, conference, by the way. I've been to it many, many, many times. We built real trends over the years. Um, In in 2002, I bought my partner out. Uh, Shortly, a couple years later, we added agent rankings to the brokerage rankings. And we always kept trying to, you know, do something useful for the industry mm. that was useful information, that was our focus, that was trusted and could be trusted, that we, if it was purely opinion, we would tell you it was purely opinion and we'd give you the facts as to why we thought that. The rest of it was basically nuts and bolts information about what was going on in the industry, what leaders were up to. Uh, so on and so forth. Um, the consulting business uh, from the late 80s onward grew primarily in mergers, acquisitions, and valuations. Right, right. Uh, we're proud to note we've done something over 4,200 valuations and advised over 900 brokers on the sale of their companies. And as you pointed out, you know, in our when we were just chatting, I've along the way became an expert witness uh, in uh, both national trials, price fixing, uh, restraint of trade, um, bankruptcy cases, and so on and so forth. Uh, in 2020, we sold the publications and conferences to Housing Wire, HW Media. They've done a great job with our brand and our readers. Uh, We still contribute um, content to those publications, and we still uh, play a role in the Gathering of Eagles Conference, which is held every spring. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So that's kind of a snapshot of what I've been doing the last 46 years. (laughs) A quick snapshot of nearly fifty years in residential yeah. real estate. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. But I think that's a good that's a good starting point for why we you know we were we're very happy to have you on the show. Yeah. So you just you, you can, you've you've seen so much over this this timeline and similar cases that we're going through today, and we'll get to that in a second. But yeah. I, I do I want to I want to do two things real quick because we we always get. We dive, Keith and I dive into stuff too fast. We want to always get these personal ones in. People to get to know who the, who the guest is. So we're going to ask you two questions and then mm-hmm. we'll dive into all the nuts and bolts of our conversation today. So I'll start with your favorite book or podcast and why? I mean, it's a great question. I mean, I read anywhere between 15 and 20 books a month. Oh my God. A month? Um, and have been doing that for a long, long time. I, it's one of my favorite pastimes is to read. And to pick one book, I mean. How about this month then? What's your favorite book this month? Because yeah. yeah. you read month? <laughs> yeah. Um, or recently. Or recently. You know, yeah. or, or say within the last two months, one of my favorite writers, because he tells such a great story, is an author named Nelson DeMille. And he comes out usually with a book about every two years in the fall. And his recent one, uh, which name escapes me for the moment, uh, was just a great uh, kind of a historical fiction. He always weaves uh, some real history into his books along, along with, you know, human conflict and resolution and 
but always leaves room for you to go, well, the good guys didn't quite win everything, and we'll have to come back next time. <laughs> Is it, uh, was it called so Bloodlines? Nelson DeMille is one of my favorite, uh, favorite writers and recommend them to anybody. Nice. Was it called Bloodlines? I just did a quick Google. Yes, search. I think that's yep. right. Bloodlines. Yep. yep. I'll have to add it to the stack. Yeah, Keith's, uh, Keith, you, yeah, well, I'm not 15 books to a month. 20 a month. Jesus. Like, what do you use? Speed reader? That's impressive. My God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Keith, all right. Last yeah, question. With number two. <laughs> if you could have lunch with one person, current or historical, who would it be and why? I, at the top of my list would be um, to be able to have lunch with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. There you go. Mm -hmm. I mean, good one. I can't even imagine yeah. what I'd be able to say to him, but <laughs> I'm sure I'd figure it out at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Great answers. Great yeah, it's a good one. All right, so let's let's go into a lot here. First of all, your background: nine hundred brokerages helping them sell their businesses. I don't. I personally don't know anyone who's done more M and A work than you, um, and you've seen it through multiple real estate cycles. Tell us about the current environment. What are your thoughts on M and A right now? Is it? And let me actually ask this question even more deeply. So, you know, obviously, real estate's in a struggle. It's struggling right now. So, usually, you see M and A up. Is it? Is it going to continue to go that direction? Are there more concerns now based upon litigation? We'll talk about litigation in a second. But is the yeah. environment different? Like, is what's where are we at? Like, what's happening behind the scenes currently? Well, you know, this is the third time I've been through a cycle like this and you know we're still selling brokerage companies there are still purchasers who who are interested in growing through the acquisition of other brokerage companies um obviously the prices are down a little bit um the terms are not quite as good as they were a short time ago uh, we're dealing, and, and this, I said, the third time in my career of doing this, I've been through this. Um, some of what we're dealing with on the people who own brokerages is we have to first get them over the hump that the value they could have gotten two years ago is not available today and may not be available for a long period of time. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that, that that's in, in talking with all the brokers we talk to of all shapes and sizes and brands and models we have to first get them over the hump that no those price and terms are not available right now and here's why mm -hmm. uh, and may not be available for some period of time so then it really comes back to once we get by that issue then the question as it always does comes back to personal goals, aspirations, and situations of our particular clients. Mm -hmm. Are they young, old? Are they healthy, infirmed? Um, do they have family issues or not? Do they have a succession plan and successors or not? It's all kinds of questions we go through with brokerage companies, and they're hugely varied right. as to why people would call us to talk to us about this. Um, certainly a lot of the, the, from two and a half years ago to two and a half years ago, a lot of major purchasers are now on the sidelines. Mm -hmm. 
because they're primarily focused on getting their owned brokerages in in shape to be profitable and to figure out how they're going to grow in this kind of a market if they're not making large acquisitions. Because <laughs> That's a short of version of saying how to get in the yeah. black versus be in the red. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, they have to. Yeah. I mean, and so in the M&A valuation market, we're still busy on the valuation side. I still have, I have about half the normal number of firms for sale that I would have, mm. but we're getting deals done. I mean, mm -hmm. we, we, um, we've gotten deals done this year with, and, and, and there are brokerage companies and we've sold, I think, three residential property management companies this year. And, and one firm of 30 agents and one firm with 700 agents. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're able to get things done. There are still interested parties. You just have to, you have to, you first have to prepare your client that the numbers <laughs> from yeah. two years ago are not there and not likely to be there for some period of time. What was the, just for context for the viewers and listeners, what were some of the multiples you were seeing back in 2021 versus uh, the multiples Five and now? a half was the top, pretty Ooh. much. Um, what's, what's the largest multiple you've seen in 47 years, just so we have context? Uh, I, I can't. Not, I can't actually tell you that exactly, <laughs> mm -hmm. but let's say it was it was well above six. Okay, all right. Okay. It um, was, and, and I've <clears throat> only had in my entire career, I've only had maybe um, less than two handfuls that were six or better. Okay, interesting. So and, near and they, were, and they yeah. were people like Corcoran, DeWolf. Arvida, Gundaker, Long big and Foster. Names. Yeah. Iconic you know, brands that were yeah, big, going big, through a big, transition. Really large brokerage firms. Mm -hmm. What's a multiple um, look like today? What what are we talking for context to where are we at around today? Today and, the top yeah. of the market is probably four and a half, four and three mm -hmm. quarters. Mm -hmm. And just for clarity yeah. for everyone, this is this is a multiple of EBITDA, correct? A multiple of EBITDA, and here's the other part: it's a, it's a, it's, it's factored against the last twelve months of results, not a two or three or four year average. Yeah, yeah. those are yeah. those were fact, not norms. So you remove those. Yeah. The fun part is we have some of our clients go. Well, they used to do a two or three year average, and now they've changed. I said, actually, it's the buyer's right to change their mind anytime they want. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. We may I mean, or may not have a, have just had like an outlier. It's, you yeah. have the right to say that's not good enough and not talk about it anymore. Yeah. yeah. But I think um, now you now you throw in the factor of the uh, litigation against our industry against brokers, which you know could be expensive. Mm -hmm. uh, there are people who believe we'll lose a large percentage of our gross commissions and a large percentage of our agents. And I suppose anything is possible. Purchasers are starting to talk to us about kind of getting a handle on, you know, what, what's the worst case? Yeah. And that's I said, what well, I wanted to get to. Mm -hmm. You know, for and we advise have advised several groups of brokers who have uh, contacted us. Um, 
CEO masterminds groups and others that we're, we're in contact with. And we said, look, nobody knows and anybody who tells you they know <laughs> they're blowing smoke. They don't know. Mm-hmm. They can speculate and they can sure. guess and it could be educated or not. We just don't know. Sure. Because we don't know what the rules are going to be, how they're going to change and how that may affect commissions, both the listing side and or the buyer side. We don't mm-hmm. think it's positive and we think that probably has a, there's all of this will result in downward pressure. What we have told brokerage companies is a reasonable, smart person who owns a brokerage should be modeling what does their company look like if commission gross commissions fell 10 or 20 or 30 percent over the next three to five years what would your business look like mm-hmm. what would you have to do with your your underlying costs and your structure to remain profitable in that kind of an environment and we're saying we don't know that'll happen but a reasonable person would at least start modeling that and noodling over what would i need to do to remain viable hmm. so i it's a it's a great comment i think that's a good it's actually a really good lead-in for this so like give us You've had you've had the ability to see this for all these changes in our industry for a long period of time, and you've been involved and you've seen the numbers, you've seen the books of all these companies. And I know you can't share all those details, but can you just go give us a little bit of historical perspective on how we <clears throat> how we ended up here? I mean, you and I were both around when there wasn't an MLS. I genuinely was on had Sam I had Sam DeBoard on our podcast, and um, and I talked to him about how I actually remember the MLS book. I know making myself sound older, but, uh, you know, go give us a little bit of history of like all these things that the national association of realtors and brokerages have put together have evolved in time from this wild, wild West concept where there was, you had no idea what the hell was for sale unless you were driving around neighborhoods. Then there was a book, then Mm. there was a dial up system. So can you give us a little bit of history of just like, here's where we were 30, 40 years ago and sort of the evolution of where we are today. And and because I, I want to lead that into how we operate in the U.S. versus other countries. I think that's a relevant tie between the two. So Yeah, and I'll try to just hit the high points. Yeah, please. Um, the, the bottom line is that today's MLS evolved from a thinking by the realtor organization that they wanted to create more than just a bulletin board Hmm. of information Mm -hmm. Uh, that they wanted to create a marketplace that had certain rules and guidelines that kind of created a marketplace that was fair and transparent and easy to use by all the participants now Pre-internet days, participants were primarily realtors themselves because they were the only ones that could access this marketplace directly. Yeah, I I know, you know, back 40 years ago, 30 years ago when they had MLS books, 
agents were improperly handing their MLS book to clients and letting them look through it. And that happened. That never um, happens. What are you talking about? Right. And, yeah. and almost all of the development of the rules had as a major focus to create not just a bulletin board, not an MLS book, but a true marketplace with rules and practices and policies and enforcement around it that created a fair and efficient marketplace. Mm -hmm. um, and that takes us up to the, the mid to late 90s when the internet arrived. And now we expanded the access to this marketplace to the public. Mm -hmm. um, I think the funniest thing in that in those transition years, I, I remember in the late 90s, someone said, well, okay, okay, all right, we'll put our listings on the internet but we won't put the address on there. <laughs> I, remember this, I, mean, I, heard, I remember this. I remember this. Agents yeah. saying this. I'm going. <sighs> you know, <sighs> that would be like having a big department store with no signs telling anyone where <laughs> to go. The men's socks yeah. are right, and right, people right. have to wander around. <laughs> I said, "Look, your, your our goal <sighs> is to to find a buyer for a seller." Hmm. It's to match buyers and sellers. The seller achieves a goal they have, and the buyer achieves, uh, achieves a goal they have. But people always wonder, well, how did we get here? Well, the whole goal was to create not just a bulletin board, but a marketplace. And, and, and I think that the realtor organization that I've written about it numerous times, it, it is truly a very fair and efficient marketplace, albeit what the jury in Kansas City just ruled. I don't believe they found correctly. I mm -hmm. really don't. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've written about why I don't think that finding was correct, either as to the law or the facts. Sure. Um, and, and, and because here's what, I, here's what I point out. So the realtors spend 50 years hundreds of millions of dollars, millions of man hours to create a fair and efficient marketplace, which not only has all the information, and now we make it all available to the public, but has rules that govern how a seller, a listing agent, and a buyer and a buyer's agent must practice and behave in putting a transaction together. And it created this marketplace. And somebody asked, I think you did, James, well, how's that contrast with Europe and everywhere else? Well, picture a marketplace with no cooperation or offer of compensation directly or formally, where there are rarely are there exclusive right to sell contracts with the seller. A seller could have five agents mm -hmm. bird dogging to find buyers. The information that's available, which is mostly available either direct from a single brokerage or a global portal like uh, Zillow is in the US or realtor.com. Um, oh, except that the data that ends up on the portal is not double checked or verified by anyone other than the person who put it there. Mm -hmm. As opposed to the US MLS system where there it's not perfect, never will be. Yeah. 
but it's a lot better than markets overseas, you don't know about the accuracy of the data. I remember until seeing you, this. Until you do a contract and then you have to do your own due diligence. You know, it's reminiscent a little bit of 40 years ago in the US when agents representing buyers were legally sub-agents of the listing agent. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and everybody yeah. represented the seller because they were paying the commission, um, and 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 this case doesn't reflect the fact that the whole industry shifted to protect to the consumer, improve the representation <laughs> of buyers. Yeah, well, that's what I was if saying, we, Steve. It's uh, it was it was I was watching a presentation from yeah. I forget the gentleman's name at Realtor.com, and he did this amazing presentation. I, I really should have him. We actually, should have him on the pod. Now that I said mm, that, right, um, yeah. and. He showed how things operate around the rest of the world. And he was showing yeah. a national website in Spain with the same <laughs> listing for sale eight times with different what? data. Yeah. With Literally different data. live with different data. And I'm sitting here going, <laughs> right. well, what the hell's the price? And like, what, what, you know, and he was just, it was, right. it's, it was just interesting to, to I think your comments extremely it's, valid. Um, We're not perfect, but like we've got a better no. system than anywhere else in the world at this point. It, so it, not not just better. Like they aren't close. Yeah. They right. really aren't close. Well, and yeah. here and here's the thing I wrote a month ago after after the verdict. Maybe after or before, I don't remember. I just made this simple point. No buyer or seller in this country is required to use a realtor to list or buy a home. But it's always been and, that way. And no buyer or seller in this country is required to use a full service, full price brokerage company. Mm -hmm. And in fact, if you went on and Google searched the Kent City area for discount brokers, you'd find a plethora of them available, mm -hmm. including for sale by owner sites if you are so inclined and truly from our own consumer research going back 20 years the preponderance of americans understand that that they can do it themselves mm -hmm. that they can negotiate their commission and, and yes i'm sure there's some that don't know but where is it the responsibility of the provider of goods and services to say at Nordstrom's, hey, you know, you can get these same socks at Walmart for half the price here. <laughs> Last I checked, that's not the sales guy at Nordstrom's responsibility. Yeah. It's consumers really to do the point. shopping. That is a valid, but, valid point. So it, it's kind of like, uh, so what happened is, the, the realtor marketplace evolved over time that it went from just a bulletin board to a marketplace. And I'm trying to simplify this so people understand it. It was, and as I pointed out for many years, you, you want to know how the marketplace works and how it could malfunction? Fine. Um, tomorrow morning in um, Atlanta, Georgia, we're going to turn off all the MLS systems. They're gone. They don't exist. Okay, how are buyers and sellers going to interact with no MLS? Okay, great. Let's turn it back on. Everybody feel good again? Great. <laughs> now let's turn off all the rules and the, and the policies that govern the marketplace. Agents can underbid their competitors 
listings by going to a seller while they've got a contract with another agent and say, we'll do it for less and we can get you a higher price. Cancel that one. Come with us. <clears throat> I mean, I'm just simplifying some of the I, rules. I got you. Yeah. 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 Um, what's being paid to all the parties is part of the agreement. You know, if you want to see anarchy, shut off all the rules, give it about two months, and yeah. the whole thing falls apart. It reminds it me of that. It just comes old. unglued. Here. So Here. I try to point out that every market, uh, securities markets, insurance markets, you have to have both information about products and services, the more the better, but you also have to have rules that govern the conduct of the participants in that marketplace. Well, and so if, let's, I want to, I want to stop there real quick because that's an right. important piece here. And I know yeah. Keith has a question too. No, it's all good. The, the, I think people forget that cooperation in the MLS is like really what it's about. Like yeah. it is about these rules. It's not just a bulletin board. It's, it's, it's about how everybody interacts with each other. So this, right. you know, using your words, this anarchy doesn't exist and there's historical perspective as i'm sure someone's lawyer is listening to this at some point of like <laughs> what it was like prior not from the not from the realtor's perspective screw that for a second I'm talking about the consumer mm -hmm. like how they interact or find out or understand by going back to the way things were and i i just I feel like we're there. There's we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater in some of this yeah. stuff. It just well, it, yeah, we are. We are. We're um, the outcome will not be as fair and efficient as it has been. If if it gets depending on what kind of changes either the private litigants or federal agencies insist on in terms of a settlement, we don't know yet. Uh, mm -hmm. We suspect what might be coming. But, you know, I can't quite myself figure out, because I'm not smart enough to figure it out, what prescription they would have that would tell what? Sellers that they're not allowed to offer compensation to a buyer agent? Where do they get off saying to a seller, no, no, you're you not can't. allowed to provide an incentive for somebody who wants to buy your home? Which, by the really? way, happens every day. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. That, well, yeah, okay, two one well, buy downs. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess you're going to have to sue all the home builders because they do it. Oh, and I guess you're going to have to sue all the multi-family apartment owners because they do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, Steve, don't give him any ideas. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like I do know this. If you look at the history of any business in our in, in our in our country, you probably the world, but in our country is enough. Any time you get this kind of class action outcome to paired with action by federal regulatory agencies, the only people who come out winning, apart from the plaintiff bar is the largest players in the market because only they can survive and pay the cost of the regulatory environment. Mm. The increased Whether it's cost medicine or yeah. banking or retail or railroads or airlines, you just keep going down the list. The more an industry is regulated, the more it becomes consolidated and concentrated because only the big guys can afford 
to participate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if that's what the feds want, fine, that's okay. You're just gonna you're just gonna end the opportunity for hundreds of thousands of Americans who want to be entrepreneurial and own their own business. It's called being a real estate agent, mm-hmm. and it will. You know, anyway, I digress, and I'm now I'm pontificating. No, but yeah, I think we, your point is we don't know. Yeah, your point's really valid, though. In that, yeah. usually, uh, always words like "all" and "always" and "never" scare me. But also, I'll say usually, um, if if you increase the regulation, then you are going to increase the cost of operating your business. If you increase the cost of operating your business, some percentage of folks can't afford that and they're going to go away. To your point that the bigger operators have a competitive advantage in the venture capital world, there's almost a playbook where you go out and we're seeing this in the AI space right now. I don't want to nerd out on AI, but they're 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 trying to get uh, government involvement so they can pull the ladder up to make it harder for mm. startups to get to where they already are. Right. And yeah. they're doing that through, through governmental regulation. Do you think this ends in settlement or appeal? And since we're in the guessing portion of our conversation, um, you know, in, um, obviously, you know, it's my, it's only my opinion. Yep. Um, I, I the little bit I've been able to, read from the trial in Kansas City without being an attorney, it would seem like, it seems to me like the three remaining co-defendants will successfully get heard on appeal. And that in fact, an appeal court may remand this to be reheard and retried uh, with certain other uh limitations on the judge's actions or may decide it needs to be it needs to be held in a different jurisdiction mm-hmm. um but absent you know that's one thing <clears throat> I mean, we, we now have cases in um missouri georgia south carolina new york texas illinois I'm assuming there could be six or 10 more coming. I'm wondering what's taken the plaintiff's bar in California so long, but you know, figure they'll come in sooner or later. (laughs) Um, When there has been this kind of uh, mass plaintiff action in different courts with massive numbers of co-defendants, often the parties will agree to consolidate into one courtroom. In which, in which point, uh, a judge um, will try to get all the parties to agree to some settlement that can allow the parties to stay in business and pay some damages into some kind of a pool over time. I, I presume that is one potential outcome of all this. I mean, the funny part is I had a, I had a dream. Um, the other night I thought, I know the answer to this. What we need to do is to get an agreement among all the realtor and the private owned MLSs and all the realtor uh, governed MLSs. And we agree that next Monday, December the 4th at 8 a.m. Eastern time, we're gonna turn them all off. <laughs> Shut down all the MLSs in the country 
<laughs> and then we'll see what sellers and buyers think about that. <clears throat> when an agent says, well, we don't have MLS anymore, so I'm just going to have to email as many agents as I can who might have buyers, but of course I won't know who does. <laughs> and and Steve, I, I love this idea, by the way. <laughs> just shut it all down and tell the feds and the planes bar, okay, we're shutting it all down. Where there'll be no more cooperation and compensation except two consenting parties agree to work it out. And there, there you go. It's and the ultimate. That would be like, oh, but wait a minute, though. What happens to Realtor.com and Zillow? Uh, they're gone. Buff. Bye. They're gone <laughs> because they get all their data from MLSs. Mm-hmm. Oh, so does CoStar. I forgot them. Shouldn't forget yeah. them. Right. Every, it, every system in the whole industry that everybody relied can imagine people. What happened to Zillow? <laughs> that's like. Have you ultimate. been listening to Rob Hahn recently? Because he's like the no, anarchy uh, guy, and like you, you're right. I like this. By the that way, that is an interesting the idea. No, no, I mean, ultimate. I just, I, I was just thinking. You know, you want to, you want to show them. Okay. Yeah, let's, let's do just it. Shut let's, it all down. Let's play this game. Yeah, yeah. That's the let's ultimate play the game. We'll shut it all down. Let's go back to the 1950s. <laughs> and you know, just every person for themselves. Yeah, and it's the ultimate. Take my ball and go home. It's the That's ultimate. Take my well, ball I told someone if you do all that, it'd be like the commercial brokerage business. Yeah, yeah, it's a good comp, <laughs> right? Like, it, yeah, the, except for they they do have uh, they do have CoStar, but yeah. you know, I don't know. Um, I know that uh, what I do know is it 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 it's going to be very costly for a lot of people to have to defend themselves. Uh, it's it's going to be very, very damaging to the reputation of realtors. Um, it absol- it's already yeah. happened, and it's going to yeah. happen more. Yeah. Um, uh, the plaintiff's bar will see to the fact that um, publications like the Wall Street Journal, The Economist, and, and Entrepreneur Magazine, who wrote, slanderous <laughs> articles about our industry weeks ago which I already i've already commented on how factually they were all totally wrong about mm. what they said you which mean is the media amazing isn't accurate so weird <laughs> yeah yeah no, uh, i mean I wall street journal editorial board for whom i have a lot of respect have had says well everybody knows the commission rate has been six percent for over thirty oh years. Oh my god! Every time I hear that, I just uh, want to like. I know. I'm just like, so and you by guys the way, are so they stupid. know better. And yeah. oh, the best one was I think it was the guy in the Economist who wrote, you know, if we reduce, if in the U.S. they can reduce the commissions by one or two percent, that'll mean all sellers can can reduce their price and the cost of houses will come down. Right. And I'm sitting here going. Yeah. What world do you live in? Sellers do not price their home based on closing costs. Right, right, right. (laughs) I I, I actually wrote, I said, that would be like saying, well, I have all these closing costs. Oh, and my mortgage exceeds the value of my home by 50,000. So my price is going to be 50,000 higher than the actual market. And I should get that. I mean, it's just ludicrous. I know. know. Well, these are supposedly... Respond anyway. I'm I'm getting off track. No, it's, but- it's all I, it's good. I'm and this we're on the same page, and we, we Keith yeah. and I laugh at some yeah. like the 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 by the batten cases or the leader cases. We both just scratch our head like right, huh? Mm. Um, 
two questions. Uh, I'll ask one and Keith will ask the final to, to wrap us up. But I, I want you to, I do want you to pontificate for a second on this because you've done a lot of expert witness cases. You've seen stuff like this in the past. The biggest argument that we all know is we, I think it's, it's not even just like us saying this. I think most, even most lawyers I've talked to, and I've talked to quite a few of them are like the fact the judge made this per se versus rule of reason was way out there. Um, my question is, and it's just, I don't even know where the question is going to go, but where did, what did we do wrong to end up in this spot? Where, where did we make some wrong turns or didn't take an off ramp or like, how did we end up here? I just, I'm not trying to point fingers. That's not what I'm getting at. I'm just trying to understand the industry was so like, we've got this and we got it so fundamentally wrong. So like, how do you have any thoughts on that? So the thing I, I don't, I, again, I was not in the courtroom, so I don't know if the evidence was ever introduced. <clears throat> um, I think as, as, as we can tell from the wall street journal, the economist and entrepreneur magazine, among others, most people outside our industry, including these plaintiffs attorneys, don't really understand hmm. that what really happens from people who buy and sell homes. Um, I was in a expert witness in a price fixing case. Oh, it's probably now 14 years ago. And the, the, the defendants who I was working for were headed down the same path that the, the defendant counsel in this case did, which is, oh, we're going to defend it on we didn't do it. I mean, that was, we didn't do it. Mm. Um, I told them that if they went in my, they asked me, and I said, if you go into this courtroom, first of all, they're going to have local counsel, and you guys are all big antitrust guys from a big metropolitan area He's gonna piss 800 miles off. away. Mm -hmm. And they are going to assassinate you in the opening statement by pitting <laughs> that that these are these big guys from big out-of-state attorneys, and they're going to tell you they don't talk about commission rates, blah, 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 blah. But these are the same guys, this industry, that told you, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, it was a good time to buy a home in 07 and 08. <laughs> I said, you will be dead in the minds of that jury. These are going to be common people, half of whom are underwater on their mortgages. <clears throat> I said, rather, what we should do is we should get the data and show that there is no evidence of price fixing. Mm -hmm. And so that's actually what they did. They had to spend a lot of money, but they got the data in the markets where the case was being held over a period of time. And lo and behold, it turns out that almost one in five title transfers in that in that market for that period of time there was no agent at all hmm. it was one family member transferring to another family member or an estate to a or it was all kinds and it turns out that in fact the six percent commission rate was only present it was like 32 percent of the sales and there were far more that were lower than that that were higher than that. Mm -hmm. When presented that evidence, the judge dismissed the case. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Secondly, I would have had 
three, four, five sellers from that marketplace who were highly satisfied with their agent. Tell the story. Got the outcome sure. they were looking for, felt You're they pulling. were treated well, and felt they got, they had a, a really mm. good experience. I don't think that, I don't know that they didn't do that, but I would have done that. Because look, I lived in Kansas City for five years. These are great Midwest, mm -hmm. wonderful people, but I doubt they knew any of the true data that maybe 15 or 20% of all the people in the country didn't use an agent at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, or mm -hmm. that the average commission is now under 5%, not six. Right. Yep. Well, there's a movie that I just watched. Um, Keith helped me with it. It's uh, Jamie Foxx was in it. It's a new movie out on Amazon. And I'll, I'll think of it in a second. Somebody can look it up. But um, yeah. And it's a very famous lawyer. Uh, and he won his cases because this is the point you're making, Steve, I think more than anything is he knew how to resonate with the jury. Right. He just he knew how to present data and resonate with the jury. And I, I can only say this. I was not in the courtroom, but I, I was talking to people that were was the that the plaintiff's counsel had done a very good job of looking like they well, first of all, they were some of them were local, but they were from <clears throat> Kansas City. They resonated with the jury. Yeah. And, and, and the comments I had received was the defendant's bench and benches of lawyers looked like they were from New York. And I, my, my first thought was like, has anybody watched a TV series? <laughs> We're not, this is, you know, like suits or something. I wasn't there every day. I wasn't there at all. I've read some of the transcripts. Uh, I don't. I hate second guessing. They're good people. I know them. Know oh, some great. of them. Totally. Yeah. They're good people, yeah. and I'm sure yeah. they thought their plan would be a great, a good, solid plan. It's easy for someone like me to second guess in hindsight sure. what they did. I just sure. know that I had that prior experience where it was similar in many regards. And when they asked me, I said, "I'm actually from that part of the." spent a lot of years in that part of the country. Let me tell you about people who live there. Mm -hmm. And yeah. and I told him, I said, I'll give you the opening statement of plaintiff's counsel. And by the time I got, and I even imitated a Southern draw a little bit. I said, <laughs> in their minds, anything else you say, they're gonna go, yeah, these are the people who told me to buy that $350,000 home in 2007, mm -hmm. and now it's yeah. worth 210. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's hard to overcome. For sure, for sure. And yeah. as somebody pointed out, this plaintiff's guy, he made it a David and Goliath. Well, you know, good for him, good strategy, it worked. Yeah, yeah. But uh, let me tell you, I don't think that's over. I think from the stuff I have read, it seems like he was a little um, loose on discovery rules in some regards. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. yeah. Keith. All right. Well, we got, we got, a, we got one we, final question yeah. that we always have to ask. So I'll yeah. let Keith close us out. And so. I did a quick Google. Was it the movie, The Burial? Is that the movie? No. New Jamie Foxx movie? Maybe. The Burial? Okay. okay. Right. It, Hold looks on. Like you do this. Right. I'm going to look it up. So I want to make sure I'll I got this right. So. All right. Uh, final question. We always end with yes, this. If that's you were the movie. In, it's great, yes, by the way. The burial. Yes. Got it. All right. Yeah. If you were an agent or a brokerage, what's the one thing you'd implement or change today to help your business? <laughs> um, 
The same thing I've recommended always, both for agents and for brokerage companies. When we get times like this, you get closer to your clients and customers or closer to your agents and staff than ever before. You, you have an opportunity to communicate with them uh, more now markets off so there's not, not as much business going on <laughs> yeah. this is when you reestablish or strengthen existing relationships with your clients and customers if you're a broker it's with your staff and agents there is simply no better use of your time than that right now yeah invest in the human beings right yeah for sure yeah. I, yeah. I think well, I think it's a good way to end it because there's not much better wisdom than that. So, absolutely, um, Steve, thank you for being here. We genuinely appreciate it. I know everyone will enjoy hearing all of this stuff and perspectives on things. So many people just don't know the history. I think that was really great that you could give that. And um, you know, we'll want to have you back because there's no drama in residential real estate. We'll have nothing to talk about shortly. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's really, it, it, somebody once said a long time ago, may you live in interesting times. And I can tell you my 46 years, it's been nonstop change. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. All Is right, there? my friend, we'll look yeah. forward to having you back soon. Thanks again. Thank you Thanks, guys dude. for the honor of yeah. being with you. Of course, Thank you. of course. Listen, we care about you deeply, which is why we never want you to miss an episode of this podcast. Subscribe now. It's just a push of a button.